Well, it's a real pleasure today, um, as part of Women Rising, to have Michelle Atias here, my friend from many, many years ago. We've just been laughing at um, remembering our youth, where we used to go to the Langwall with our nannies. So Michelle Atias, uh, from Gibraltar, obviously, and she's spent over 20 years in personal development. And I've got her book in front of me, which I bought uh, probably at the start of the pandemic, uh, my neighbour Joanne recommended it to me. That I've always I've always known Michelle, but I didn't know she had this great book out. And do you know what? When I read it, as many of you probably do when you read a book, so many things rang home. So many things. This was like a, a, like a to-do list for me, in a way. Um, do this, do that. It made me think. It made me think. And then I gave the book to my mother when I finished. And I said, Mom, you've got to read this book because it's going to make you think. And when, when she finished reading it, at, you know, nearly 90 she was at the time. Now she's, she's already 90. She, she said, I've, it was like a breath of fresh air. And she said, mm. it, just, it just made me think of lots of things that I'd forgotten about. So... Um, let's start there. Fabulous. Let's stop seeking and start living, as, <laughs> as your book says, Michelle. How, how, what made you write this book? Uh, what made me write this book was I had been writing articles for a couple of years previous to that. And um, I remember some of my clients saying to me, oh, I'd love to have... Like sometimes I have anxiety or self-doubt and I'd love to have like a book of your articles in my pocket. And so over time I thought about it and I had so many articles and so much material that I decided to contact a publishing house and ask, I sent them a manuscript. I'd, I'd written a lot of the same themes as I had written articles from, which was anxiety, self-doubt, self-esteem, uh, fear, stress, all those sort of themes, uh, which I saw my clients were really dealing with. And um, I sent my man manuscript over to a publishing house and they, they really loved it. So, and actually, I didn't come up with my t with the title the publisher did. He said, you know, I've just read it. And he said, I think it needs to be look inside, stop seeking, start living. What did you thought as a title? I was like, yeah, that's how, because I kept, I was going to call it, that's the worst thing for me is what am I going to call something? Yeah. <laughs> what am I going to head it? Because it is... I would say that the book doesn't tell you what to do. It tell it, it sort of kind of makes you go within and think about your life and you know where you'd like to go with this kind of chapter. Like what 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 does that mean for you? So uh, there's a lot of self-development books I find are quite preachy, are, are telling you like step one, step two, step three. And my book just wasn't like that. It's okay. This is what it's about. And, and you come up with something. The other thing I really loved about the book is that you you do explain, it's like a to-do list, as I said, but but um, you you it resonates with you and your personal life. Yeah. So it's um, actual situations that you have been in where you can then say, well, look, I did this and it worked for me or I did that. And it, and it didn't work, but maybe I should have done that. So you're going through what what people can do to improve with your own experience. Yes. And I tell you why I did that, because I feel that I, I mean, I qualified as a therapist about 20 years ago. So as a therapist and a life coach, which I then qualified as people tend to think Oh, therapists, life coaches, they've got it all together. They have a perfect life. They've got it all sorted. I didn't really, 
I didn't really want to be coming from that place. And that's where a lot of these books come from. I have it sorted. I have the recipe and the ingredients and listen to what I have to say and you'll become the same. I didn't want that because I am as flawed as everyone else. And, that, and because probably that's not very realistic. Exactly. So, so I thought, okay, you know what? I'm human. I'm flawed. And this is what I come up with in life. And hey, why don't you? It's also a, a it's also something about waking you up a little bit, things you might not have thought about. Yes, for sure. Which is often what I do with my clients, um, which is waking them up to what's possible or waking them up mm-hmm. to the reality of their situation. So it's a little bit of how I work with clients is how I write. <laughs> and how, how did you get into the life coaching? I mean, you said you, you studied, well, you came to England, did you? And you left Jib and came to England? And uh, Yeah, I came to England. You worked with children, I read. Well, yeah, so I came to England. I was working in finance for many years. Um, I hated it. <laughs> Did you? I, I, I hated finance. I was working actually, in banking. I hated, I, I literally, I loved the social of the bank, but the actual work I really hated. But I got divorced in, when I was 30. And, I, I was going to say, that, yeah. that is a big, oh, well, obviously a divorce. That was massive. Is a, but it really affected you. It really, it really kind of changed your whole. It changed the trajectory of my life. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. So I had a three month old, two and a half year old, Gosh. and we separated. It was awful. But I, I made a decision early on. I'm somebody who doesn't really, like I always seek to go one step better. And I just felt I didn't want to be pitied in the community as a single mom. Mm. I didn't want my kids to look like one of those statistics that you see, oh, you know, single parent kids are, you know, this percentage less able to, to, um, kind of be successful academically. I did not want to be a statistic. I didn't want people to pity me. And I thought, you know what? I want to become a professional. I had never gone to uni. I didn't even have a maths qualification. I don't even know how I was working in the back in the first place. And I thought, you know what? I want to work with people. I want to help people. I want to become a therapist. And I want to become a professional because I, yeah. And I I went to study with with Mm -hmm. two little kids, yeah. Four years. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you, when you get to that situation, you just you just have to just yeah. get on with it because the more you wallow, the worse it is for you. Yeah. So there's no wallowing to be done. Do you know what? I don't think I've ever been more motivated in my whole life yeah. as I was for those four years. I mean, I was studying, I was doing my clinical placements and I was working. I had to work from home. Um, I was doing a job from home so I could make money as well. And I was doing all of that, but I was so motivated. I bringing up my kids. I was doing all of it. All the things you really wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I qualified a few years down the line. Amazing. How, what what um, are the people that you see? Because I've read that you have dealt with a lot of children. So what is what is it that gives you the most satisfaction when you're with clients? Is it is it older clients? Is it younger? What, what is the most rewarding? Yeah. So so when I qualified, the first job I had was as project managing therapy services for children. So I worked with for seven years with children and I loved it. I worked with refugee children, uh, Irish gypsies, um, <clears throat> Somalian refugees, uh, wow. Iraqi. 
I loved those All kids. this was in London, was it? All this was in London. There was about 250 languages being spoken in the centre where I worked. And uh, and I project managed it and I loved it. I was there for seven years. I loved working with kids, but the deprivation and the poverty often... I mean, it just broke my heart. Some of the kids, their dads were in prison. Um, mums had abandoned them. We had a couple of mums who were prostitutes, for example, had abandoned their kids at birth. Gosh. I was working with them. And I often just wanted to take a bundle of them and take back home. <laughs> and it was it was heartbreaking sure, every yes, day. I mean, and I just, sure, yeah. God. So I was there for about seven years. Unbelievable. But tremendous. I loved did it. You, did you feel like you did a lot of good? Yeah, yeah. I really feel like it, I did. Is that what really motivates you? Yeah, yeah I'm sure it does. I, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you... Like, I worked with a lot of mums with their kids, mums who, who lacked mm. education, who mm. who just were struggling with poverty. Sometimes they had to share a bathroom with lots of other people in the flat. It, it, like, things you could not even imagine about. Um, and it was... It was really satisfying. You know, you know you have a meaningful position, you know, that you're making a difference every day. And that is so important. Yes, to me it is. To, um, to me as well. Yeah. I, I feel with this maybe, with these podcasts that I am, well, helping in a, in a little way. I'm getting my voice out. I'm yes. talking to people who maybe can um, help other people. So... I, it's so important to do that, I think. Um, what about in Jib? Do you, do you, I know you come often because your family is here. Yes. There is a huge problem with mental health in Jib. Mm -hmm. I've already spoken to a few people, who, somebody who was living it, um, and he told us about his, his ups and his downs. Um, would you come back and work here, help here? Have you done anything with people here in Jib? I've, I've, uh, I've got a few coaching clients from here. Not therapy clients, coaching clients. Um, that have reached out to me to, so that I would work with them. I did reach out to a couple of companies a good few years ago, and at the time they were just not open to it. Yeah, um, it's now a big thing. Yeah. yeah, it seems to be a big thing at the time. The mindfulness, do you do that as well? Mindfulness? I do. Well, I meditate every morning. That's my practice. That's what you do every morning, is it? Yeah, yeah, for do you sure. Work, do you work from home? I work from home. Um, your clients come to your... No, I do it virtually. Oh, of course. They used to of before course. the pandemic. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do it virtually. I work with people. I mean, I used to work with people internationally. So I used to have people from all parts of the world, Israel, Qatar, America, all, all sorts of people who I used to work with, both in therapy and coaching. Now they're all over the UK and it's great because... It gives me the scope to work and I and I love it. And with that, what you were asking before, what sort of clientele base do I enjoy? I've got a lot of people in their 20s now, sort of influencers, young kind of uh, professionals, which I love working with. They're full uh, of beans. Full of I've beans. Always, yeah, full I like beans. the whole influencer thing. Yeah, they're full of beans, but a lot of stress and tremendous, tremendous amount of anxiety and overthinking and overwhelm. That is the, I would say, the main part of my work that people constantly overthink. There's a whole chapter in it in your book. Yeah, overthinking versus doing and, or something. And I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think recently, maybe reaching 50, I don't know if you agree. Mm. So for me, reaching 50 has been life-changing yes. for many reasons. I lost a very dear friend and it made me think, reevaluate yes. what was important in my life and how much time I was spending thinking about ridiculous things that were meaningless. 
And I feel I'm living a little better. I could live even better. <laughs> um, but do you find that people people do, um, a lot of your clients, well, the, the ones that you talk to, um, are focusing on the, the wrong things or, or, you know, that they, that they, um, could be living a lot better. Like they, they're, they're, like you say now they're overthinking, but, um, it's not just overthinking because they, they overthink, but they, they carry out all these ridiculous things that they don't need, you know, yeah, yeah. I, it's not only overthinking. People are attached to their stories. Yes, I find it. I'm really happy that I started off when I started my when I first qualified, I started working with children. I'm so happy I started that way around because when I work with adults, what I often have opposite me is a seven year old child. Because they're often displaying behaviours that maybe kept them safe in their primary school years. But and they they're still doing it. They're still doing it in their 30s, 40s and so 50s. So we have to look at that. I don't like to go too much into the past because I don't think there's much to, to be gathered from that. But I do want to acknowledge that often in our sessions, there's not a 50-year-old guy opposite me. There is a... 10 year old boy. It's incredible. And let's talk to him and let's see what he wants from this because I think it's really important that we give voice to that as well. Um, but yeah, so that's a really interesting part of it because I get it with a lot of my clients mm. that they are still, they stuck. find, yeah, stuck they're there. stuck somewhere. Stuck there. And some of them are too, too mm. invested mm. in their stories. They have a story about themselves, their life, and they just won't let it go to create a new one, a more yeah, positive that's what you one. need to do to, to live better. Yeah, so we have to deconstruct. So huh? that's why I love telling stories and I love writing because it really is very much part of my therapy work as well. Hey Beanie, did you go to Oroski to get the bread I asked you to? Yes, mum, but you know what? There was such a huge range of bread that I didn't know what to buy. So I bought rolls, a loaf and a baguette, all freshly baked. Wow, that's great. And did they have any roast chickens? Yeah, at the big Oroski near the airport, there were loads of chicken, chips, onion rings and other hot takeaway food. They had everything, including a wide range of Waitrose products. That's perfect, because with four supermarkets to choose from around Gibraltar, you can rely on Oroski to find whatever you need. And you can save money with the Oroski Club Card with discounts on products, three for two, and special offers continually throughout their stores. And don't forget, if you can't make it to the store, order online and Oroski will deliver straight to your door. Oroski, with you. Mira, you love travelling. Yeah. I've seen that you've gone all over the world. Is it with work or just for fun? You've been to Thailand and you've been yeah. to the Middle East. Um, yes, I lived in Israel for a few years. I took yeah. my girls traveling around Thailand. I did, um, when I first became a life coach, uh, when I when I sort of did a life coaching certification, there was a course in the US called the Coaching Prosperity School. And you had to go over six months to Chicago, to... Arizona to a few other states and so I traveled through there as well while I was doing this course which is amazing wow. to, to be with these massive massive coaches in America doing this course um, and I learned a hell of a lot I learned a lot from that so what is the yeah. difference between a coach and a therapist what what do what are the different things that you I mean a therapist is gen uh, when you when you assess a, a client a therapist a therapy client is generally somebody who is less, um, they're not managing as well. They're not perhaps as successful or, or maybe they are, but they, 
they are they are managing their life less they don't know what they want there's a lot of confusion um they're they're sort of very overwhelmed often sometimes with a lot of stress a lot of anxiety when i have a coaching client they're normally successful already and what i'm what i'm doing there is i'm taking them from where they are to where they want to be so they're generally clear where they want to go, but they don't know how to do it. So they just need that little push. They need to, well, it's not even a push. It's what's getting in the way of you creating this. Because that's what I'm more interested in, what's getting in the way. Sometimes it's fear, sometimes it's self-doubt. What's getting in the way? And then we can explore that. I do that with business, with my business clients or other clients I've had. I've worked with journalists, I've worked with others who is generally we have to like take away all the things that aren't working to reveal what does. Deconstruct. Deconstruct. Peeling it all back. Deconstruct the persona they constructed early on that might have worked when you were 10, but now is getting in the way of you having the best life you can have, I think. For sure. And life is short, so why? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, And I think it's not... It's not just a matter of my clients. I don't say anything to my clients that I'm not doing myself. So I'm constantly in process, always, always, always like looking Uh, at that. Talking (laughs) about that, I want to mention something which which kind of resonated with me because something similar happened to me. In 1971, you were told you weren't good enough. Yes. To do something. Yes. The same way that I was told that I wasn't good enough for yes. something. Um, it made me want to do it all the more. Mm. It was awful. Because a lot it of was people, awful. I find from talking to friends that a lot of people don't reach their potential because at some point in their life, somebody has put them down mm. like that. And like you say, they're stuck there. Yes. Yes. I think that's in a way why it was important for me to work with primary school kids early on. I felt I needed to heal something in myself and I wanted to give these kids a voice and give them the self-esteem that I think I didn't have at the time because, I, you know, I, I didn't see myself as academic. I was never looked at like that in, in primary school. And it was... I just, yeah, I did not feel good enough at all. And I, and I had a lot of anxiety about going to school. I loved my friends there, absolutely. You went to school here in Jib? I went to school in Jib and... Um, to the Hebrew school. To the Hebrew school. And But here's a thing, again, the same thing. I, I think I blossomed, I think, during the last few years of the primary school years when I got into... Um, we did some school plays and I enrolled for one of the school plays, which I loved. I realized I loved being on plays. I started to dance and I found my thing, just dancing and being on stage. expressing yourself that way. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. That was to me the savior for me during that time. One, One of the other chapters in your book, which I loved as well. I love the book, actually. <laughs> and I read it, and now I, the, the last couple of days, knowing you were coming, I've recapped, and I, there's so many things to mention. For example, a coffee a day can change the world. Yes. Um, this is something that people actually do in, 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 in the world. Yes. T- tell us about I didn't even know that existed. I mean... Um, but I, I love the idea, and it's things that we could do here. Like, well, I don't know how many people really need coffee here. Could, yes. But you do see... You know, yeah, it was an initiative year. I mean, it was, I mean, I wrote this book a good few years ago and I pro- yeah, so it, it's I'm just trying to remember what it was, but it was that you you 
you buy a cup of coffee for someone who is perhaps homeless, perhaps somebody who's on their own. You buy a cup of coffee, you have a chat with them. It was an initiative that was created. Mm. I didn't create it. Mm. It was an initiative that was created. I, I was really inspired by that. Um, it's just the whole thing of helping other people. Not the whole. Yeah. I, I think you get a lot from it emotionally and and uh, I think the one way to be less self-obsessed and less me 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 is to look outside yourself take those blinkers off look outside yourself and say okay where can I be useful today who needs me today who and not that we're martyrs martyrs to the cause and we're like constantly giving because we also have to self-care but it's like where can I be useful hey this guy's on his own like maybe I can buy him something or Hmm. or maybe maybe you know it's even someone you haven't heard from for a while maybe we can give them a call Mm. how are you how are you doing you know it's like reconnecting little things like that Mm. that that I think sometimes people are too obsessed with themselves. Mm. How am I appearing? What am I like? What, you know, take yourself out of that. Yep, for sure. Um, you always ask, uh, what are you taking away from different things? I say that to my clients. You say that to your clients. Of every session, what are you taking away? <clears throat> yeah. Um, you, and, and what do they answer? What do they take away from your sessions? Whatever has stayed for them and you know when you have a a one-hour session you might not remember everything they might not remember every single element of them but the things that have gone in they'll remember the things that have touched them they'll remember and I want to know that I, I and I tell you why because one of the things that we do in life is that we rush we rush from one thing to the next oh I've just finished a session I'm going to do the next thing and next thing and you never really become present to the moment this is this moment. Before we move on to the next stage, tell me what you're taking away. What What is your learning from this? And it's really good for them to, for those few moments, the end of the session, for them to say, actually, this, yeah, this is what I'm taking. You know, A, B, C, D, you know, they're taking a few things. And that's it. They've stopped. They've become present to what they've just done rather than rushing off into the next thing. And that's really important for them and for me to see that. What, what, and do you see that? Do they tell you to get feedback from yes, your clients? Yes, yes, yes. I suppose it's quite important not yes, to... Yes, I get feedback, I get testimonials. Well, I suppose if they didn't, they wouldn't come back to exactly, you. Exactly, so. exactly. Yeah. Um, I like to know that it's been useful. And if it's not been useful, then I want to know why. What is it that I'm not doing? What is it that they're not doing? Because to me, it's a collaboration. I'm not here to save them. I always say that. I'm not here to save you. I'm here to... This is a collaboration between you and me. You take responsibility for your part, and I have to take responsibility for my part, as a whether it's in therapy or coaching, to... To be at my best, and that's why I meditate uh, in the morning. I often don't go on my WhatsApps for a good few hours first thing in the morning. I turn off my phone a lot. I just want to disconnect. Yeah. How being a woman um, and bringing up two girls, yeah. and this is all women rising, how, yes. how have you brought up your girls? What have you, what have you um, taught them about life and about, and about the things that you've been through? Mm. How you've brought them up to be, obviously, two strong, independent women? Yes. I mm. think when, mm. when we have children, we kind of want our kids to see us as perfect. Like, our kids are to see us as perfect. My kids have seen me make a lot of mistakes. They've seen me 
as very human. And I, I've taught them that it's never too late to change your mind. If something doesn't feel right, change it. Uh, change it. I've, I've helped them to, I think my girls have got quite a voice. And if they're not happy with something, they're just going to say it. But what I find great is that they teach me a lot. Say, mom, this is what I'm seeing. And like, it's just not great. What, what, do they, what are their jobs? What do they do? So uh, um, <clears throat> my youngest one, she works for, um, she's just finished, she finished uni. Um, she did marketing and psychology. And she's working for a men's cosmetic brand, a very trendy uh, cosmetic brand. And she works with influencers and in marketing. And she's, yeah, she's oh, really good at what pace. she does. And she's <clears throat> very ambitious. <clears throat> and my eldest is working in... Um, She's working in Hove in Brighton and they're setting up a sort of a whole community there and she's uh, getting very involved in, in setting that up and she's super organized as well really organized and they're very loyal to their work and they take it very seriously and I think they've I think what I've <clears throat> I think you know we often try and give our kids all these sort of speeches of what they should be doing But actually, the only thing the kids take away is how we show up, what they're seeing, which we don't see, which we don't say. So they've seen, I think, a good work ethic for me. I've always worked throughout my time that I've, since they were babies, I've always worked. So they've seen a work ethic. They've seen that when things have been tough, yes, yeah, sometimes it has been very hard and I had to take some breaks, but I've rebuilt. They've seen things being destroyed but being rebuilt, that that's possible. And so I haven't needed to say that. They've picked it so up. So you've been a, a fab role model, I think, I mean, from what I'm listening it's to. It's not been perfect, sure, no, but, but I, I do my best. But life all. isn't perfect. And no. in life, you've got to have happiness and sadness and a bit of everything. Yeah. But, but yeah. it sounds like you've done a good job, so you should be pretty proud of yourself. <laughs> from what I'm hearing, I mean, I've I don't know the best yeah, that, yeah, I've done the best course, that I can. What else can you do, really? Yeah, but they are, they are great teachers, both of them. Oh, my God, they are my, other than my parents, they are the best teachers I could have so what is next for you what is what what is happen what is happening with with the next chapter in your life yeah so that's that's a good one based on the fact you're talking about the book <laughs> yeah so um one of the things write I, some more yeah so one of the things I love obviously is is working with clients which I love but one of the other things that I really want to engage with and it's something that has been niggling at me for a while has been creative writing so not personal development writing but creative writing and I've been I just finished a city academy course uh, in creative writing I managed to create about four or five short stories and I've just uh, I made an application to university to do a master's in creative writing because I feel that's amazing. the next thing for me and I just got an acceptance so amazing my, as 54 I think Good it's crazy you, what the 54. hell am I doing <laughs> my mother-in-law's friend Lily has is sitting her Italian GCSE at and 80. I'm also studying Italian are you she's 87 <laughs> and she's sitting her Italian GCSE amazing. with my son Mikey who's 16 at the same time wow you're never too old I no. mean It's just, I, I take my hat off to her, to her because she's amazing. And, yeah. and so are you at, at your age to keep going. Yeah. And yeah. you need to keep going. I need to keep going. I need to keep creative. Yes. And, you know, I 
think it's it's to be really aware of what you love, what you love doing. I think it's really important for me every so often to look at my life and say, okay, is is my life aligned to who I am, what I want to be doing? What in my life isn't what I want to be doing, but I'm doing it because I feel the obligation. Really important to keep, I guess, decluttering. Decluttering, yep. what, like we declutter our cupboards perhaps from, you know, during springtime perhaps. It's just decluttering life every so often. I feel is really important. I think people don't do that often enough. Because it's a scary question to ask. Yeah, but a very a very good question to ask. Yes. <laughs> and I think something we should all do. So tell me one thing as a last question. Yes. Who inspires you? Who inspires you? Uh, who, um, who inspires me? My my parents, even though my father's no longer alive. I mean, his sayings and his way of being inspires me every day. My mom and my kids. My kids inspire me. Obviously, my siblings as well. They're just yes, great, all of them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> They're also great, but they they inspire me completely. Like, I would say my family, like, they, all of them, but my kids and my parents specifically, hugely inspirational for me and great teachers. Michelle, it's been wonderful to talk to you. Um, Likewise. Really, really interesting. I could be here all day listening to you. Uh, That's probably why people pay you to do that. <laughs> I would, I would too. Um, thank you very much. Um, and yeah, uh, hopefully you'll be very, very successful with your next chapter. Thank you and very we're much. Look out for you. Thank you, Michelle. It's been absolutely lovely being here with you. It's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you for invi inviting me as a guest. Pleasure. <laughs> Take care. Take care. You've been listening to Women Rising, a series of talks where I've chatted to fabulous and inspirational women exclusively about their lives and their losses, their struggles and their successes, and their contribution to this world where they are empowering others and making a huge difference in our community. Thanks must go to my producer, Charlie Hurst, for putting this podcast together. Catch him at soundunit.co.uk. And a huge thank you also to Beatrice Garcia, who has designed and painted the podcast icon. She's at BeatriceGarcia.com. Should you like to advertise your business on my podcast, please get in touch and please like and rate the show on your favorite listening platform and comment also if you can. And should you want to get in touch with me, my email is rougejib at gmail.com.